I saw my mom tweet it. That has been a tough series for me. Absolutely. It definitely has. But figure it out how you got to figure it out. I don't think the game's Welcome to another episode of Triple Zeros. I'm your host, Josh Buckhalter. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit the Facebook page, Clocker Sports. The website is ClockerSports.com. And the email address is ClockerSports at gmail.com. And, of course, you can always follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at 3ZeroesPod. That's the number three, Zeros Pod. That voice you heard was one Draymond Green, three-time NBA champion, um, and and uh, currently catching a lot of flack on on the the Twitter sphere, the blogosphere for his performance in these here NBA Finals. You heard him acknowledge that it's been a tough Finals for him, and you heard him acknowledge that his mama's been uh uh kind of roasting him. So uh, we'll 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 talk about all that and more before we get into it. But we have some things, of course. You know, we we gotta do. We gotta talk about the local stuff first before we get into the Draymond and the Finals business. Let's talk about some 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 uh, stuff that hits closer to home for me. <laughs> So you got the Chicago Bulls and these Rudy Gobert rumors, and basically Casey Johnson of NBC Sports Chicago came out and tried to uh, shut it all down. And I don't blame him. You know, it's kind of what you need to do when the rumors are floating around, floating around rather as as uh, furious as they have been in the lead up to the draft. Now I will say that uh, I was listening to the CEO of the Atlanta Hawks, and we'll talk about them in a second. But he made mention of how you know the talk that leads up now in this space is really just a bunch of hot air. And the stuff that you really want to pay attention to is about the week of the NBA draft, which is set for June 23rd. So I do think that it's of note that he made mention of that and that we need to keep keep a lot uh, in mind when that time rolls around. However, I will say that it's not possible to ignore all the stuff that we've had going on, going around about Rudy Gobert and the Chicago Bulls. And if you follow the show for long enough, you know, I can't stand Rudy Gobert, could not stand Rudy Gobert, but tell you that he's not he's not worth the amount of attention that he draws uh, from, from the media. I'm here to tell you today, as you sit right now, as I record this on a Saturday uh, on, on June 11th at look up to date following game uh, four of the NBA finals, where we're talking about the bulls right now, Rudy Gobert would be perfect for the Chicago bulls. And I know a lot of people are going to just look at, you know, his lack of offensive production in Utah and say that, well, there's a reason they didn't give him the ball. Yeah, because they didn't want to. Like, it's not like they didn't, like they couldn't, but they couldn't rely on it. I think that that's the, the, the lazy default that everybody falls back on. Now, I will say this. That price tag is steep, baby. 40-something million for a guy who largely plays one side of the floor. Even if I think that he's got the best offensive game, I can acknowledge he's, he's, you're getting him for his defense. You're not getting him for his offense. Although, he's an elite screener. He's got great touch around the rim despite not getting the ball nearly enough. And he is a, a cutter and a lob threat, which the Bulls really don't have in that package. So, all that and your, and your, your, de- what I heard described as a defense unto himself. That's a, you know, when you talk about a guy who's a three-time defensive player of the year, four-time all-NBA selection, it's kind of hard to, to say that he's not worth it. Uh, I will say, that I understand the versatility of Vucevic, though, and wanting to keep the group together. And when he was in there, they were all winning. They were winning with him. And we only got, what, a handful of games, five games, because Patrick Williams was missing when Lonzo was healthy most of the time. So we got five games of those guys together, and and 
they want to see what it's looking like. Now, we'll say this. And the report stated that the chorus was to come back from Casey Johnson and Vucevic is under the impression that he'll be back next year. Yes. I ask you, will that last in, throughout the entire season, though? Um, I could definitely see it going awry somewhere, just looking clunky, just a struggle, whatever the case may be. And the Bulls say at the, at the deadline, hey, you know, uh, we're not we're not trying to do this anymore and try to. But I don't know if they're going to be able to get Gobert at that point in time. Now, with that being said, because they don't want to move on Gobert in that hefty price tag right now, there has been a lot of talk growing about them and uh, Mitchell Robinson of the New York Knicks. Mark Berman in the New York Post reported that the Bulls look like the uh, the top main competitor for uh, his services this offseason if the Knicks don't want to retain him. There's talk that they don't want to get him involved with his price tag. They don't want to extend him for a big money because they worry about his maturity. But the other teams uh, involved, and Berman mentions the Pistons and the Dallas Mavericks, don't want to get in uh, for various reasons. The Dallas Mavericks don't want to get involved with the price tag at $11 million. The Bulls now, it's what gets interesting because the Bulls can only offer about $10.3 million with the mid-level exception. I don't know if they're going to be able to get him to come to Chicago for that, especially if they're trying to get him to come in as a, as a bench role. But Bourbon's article, and I wrote about this for Heavy. Go ahead and read that out, heavy.com, um, Heavy on Bulls. That that wording is very interesting because it could be nothing. It could very well be nothing, and it might it's probably nothing. But it could also mean that the Bulls are toying around with the idea of using Vucevic more as a power forward than a center this coming season, something that they toyed with last season with Tristan Thompson to not very good results. So go ahead and read the article talking about the update on the Bulls being the front runner at heavy on Bulls. And uh, we could see what is what's going to come up at all, because I don't think that this is going to kill the rumors per se as much as it is just a little bit of a like, all right, let's chill out because you don't want to make Busevich feel unwanted because then, th- then things send to uh to uh spiral when, when people get the wrong impression. And we also saw Vucevic respond to a real GM tweet about him being thinking that he will be around next year saying, hey, how do they know what I'm thinking? So he's keeping a good head about it. He's been traded before, obviously, so he knows. Um, I'm not sure he'll be traded to a better situation than the one he's in now with the Bulls, but he's keeping, like I said, a good head about it. There is also still reports floating around that Zach is still viewed as in play. Um, that was from, I want to say, Mark Stein. It's floating around a few set sources, but the the big gist of it all, though, comes back to then future reports of Jake Fisher saying that people around Zach Levine saying he doesn't really want to leave. So this is, I think, more about the Bulls not BSing him, which the report that I got was that the Bulls uh, from Fisher was that full the Bulls had offered Levine less than the full max initially. And now that's since changed. But what damage was done when they tried to toy around with it in the first place. We also got a report from the Action Network's Matt Moore saying that Carnesovas was not sold on Zach Levine initially, but in the two years and two all-star trips that Levine has made in that course, um, Carnesovas has come around. So it sounds like, and I reported a little while ago for Heavy Again, that Joe Cowley was saying that the Bulls are more likely to uh, retain Zach services, or they're, I'm sorry, that they're all signs point to the Bulls extending Zach, giving him that extension, that max contract that he's seeking. And so now we'll just wait for this all to play out. But man, until he signs that name on the dotted line, you can bet that we're going to hear a lot more talk about this because it's a, it's a conversation that the reason why I came up with, with Fisher was because, uh, was it Fisher or was it Bill Simmons and Kevin O'Connor? I want to say it was Bill Simmons and Kevin O'Connor. That's might have been who, who came out of, came from, but they, they mentioned that, uh, why is it taking so long? Because it's something that should be like a done deal with how everything went with them last season, all the moves that they made to try to improve the team, and yet here we are. That's why, because they tried to lowball him, it seems. It would seem. Uh, but we'll, we'll hopefully he, he's back in a Bulls uniform, as uh, Karnasova said, uh, for years to come. 
And then, you know, I, I have some opinions on how I'd like to see him do it. I'm, like I said, I'm not a fan of Gobert. I uh, would like to see if they're going to make a move, a big move. That would be the one I would do, get Vucevic out of here as he enters the final year of his contract. But as much as I don't think it's going to work, I am intrigued by the double big uh, concept with Mitchell Robinson and uh, Vucevic side by side. But then you still need to get a small ball center unless you're trying to move Patrick Williams into a role like that, which I'm not sure that his demeanor lends itself to that kind of a physical role. So we'll see how that all plays out too. But I, I, that's what I would do. Now I fully expect them to go about it this way and try to add a couple pieces here, flip Kobe white, maybe for another backup center and a wing or something like that. And then try to, Figure it out until the, te- the trade deadline. I don't expect that they'll trade. I don't suspect. I don't expect them to be staying pat of the trade deadline again if there are as clear and obvious signs of, of flaws as there were last season when you had Billy Donovan even ahead of Christmas telling you, hey, we got some things that we got to clean up. So that's something that I'm looking forward now forward to this offseason, seeing how they do attack the margins because whether or not a big deal comes is fine. You can get excited about it. You can hate it. But I think it's it's always a possibility until it's not. These things are more realistic trades that we can all, you can kind of parse through because, again, there's a, a much likelier path to them happening than something big and splashy like a Rudy Gobert trade to Chicago. So, um, and then finally, the right way is whatever way gets them to the second round and beyond. And that's where the Rudy Gobert thing, I think, comes back, um, because the discussion is, well, does it make you a championship contender? And I'm, if that move is not there, why are you doing anything? And I, I don't understand that logic, because if your logic is that you don't want to get better because you can't win a championship, that means that you're acknowledging you don't have a championship now and you're okay with that. That doesn't sound right. You have to constantly try to improve and tr- constantly try to find ways to get better, even if it's incrementally. I heard this, uh, the, the statement one time, and it, it stuck with me that the, the top 1% try to get 1% better each day. They're not trying to get 100% better. They're not trying to double their effort. They're trying to get that 1% better, 2% better, because you're already at the peak. When you are good, you try to get better. You don't stand pat and wait for everybody else to fall back to you. That doesn't happen. And if you don't believe me, let's turn our attention to the Atlanta Hawks. They have a lot of rumors floating around them. That's because for the past two offseasons, well, last offseason and then at the trade deadline, they also stood pat after reaching the Eastern Conference Finals. You know what their thought logic their logic was? A healthier season would breed more success in the postseason. You know what happened? They got the same results health-wise, if not worse because of all the COVID uh, knockouts that they had. And then they got to the postseason and got completely obliterated by the Miami Heat, who got completely obliterated. Uh, well, I guess it took seven games, so it, didn't, it wasn't obliteration. But you get my point. It did not go well for the Hawks. So the Bulls probably shouldn't go that route. As for the Hawks and those rumors, Jeremy Grant is a, is a player that I like. I've liked him since Syracuse, since he came out and was trying to find his way from Philadelphia and, um, and just in Denver. This talk of him wanting to be a main focal point, though, I think is interesting because I think a lot of times players do themselves little service when they let that kind of stuff be what leaks out. Now, he might not have leaked it, and maybe it's not true. But it's out there now, and it it alters the perception of a player who really is – it's like Aaron Gordon. I'm a big Aaron Gordon guy. I'm a big – it's funny that I say it, but I'm a big on the margins guy. What can you do that might not fill in the stat sheet that really contributes to the team winning? And Grant did a lot of those things. He's done fewer of those things as he's become more of an offensive hub. But I would like to see and would, love, would have loved to hear from his camp, from whoever, that his preference is to go for a place where he can get a chance to win. That, to me, would have been a better thing than to say I want to be a main offensive focal point. Now, that could have been a part of it, but for that to be the guiding 
uh, narrative about why he wants out or what he's looking for in his next stop, I think does him an injustice because again, I think he's a really talented all around player. One that the, I thought the Bulls could go after, but there are rumors that the Hawks would want him. And if I'm the Hawks, I would say that the cost is probably not worth it because you have a guy in DeAndre Hunter who, while he has not, he struggled to stay healthy. He's shown an offensive upside that is equal to Jeremy Grant's. And I think a, a defensive ability that is on par with at least what we think we can get, you would get from Jeremy Grant as well. So you've already made that investment. You probably want to try to invest in his body a little bit more and try to help him do that. Um, because injuries, meniscus, you know, that's, that's tough stuff. And maybe that's, that ultimately is just where they draw the line because injuries, you don't necessarily want to invest in that either. But I just think that the cost of trying to get a Jeremy Grant is so great. When there are other guys that could come available later on, you have you have a larger window than you might want to acknowledge because of Trey Young's age and where he is is going to advance make you want to advance that timeline uh, where he is on on the floor and in his game makes you want to advance that timeline. But you got to temper that with his reality of he's only uh, what 23, 22, and and work from there. Um, so I, Grant's cool. I like him. I don't think he makes them any that much better to where they're. Uh, were they, maybe, maybe because he can be the second scorer, but I just, I think that they would need more of a traditional wing, a guy who can do a little bit more off the dribble. And Grant's very talented, like I said, but I don't know if him being an offensive hub is what you want either. I feel like he's better. I feel like Jeremy Grant is what John Collins should be. The guy who can do everything whenever you need it, but doesn't have to do anything necessarily scoring wise to be a force on the floor, if that makes sense. Because again, like I said, Grant's other stuff has kind of waned as he's become more offensive focused. And that's a problem to me, but we'll see. Um, another rumor, Donovan Mitchell. And the latest rumor is that he's actually preferring the Knicks or the heat, but there was an attachment to the Hawks as well at one point in time. And I've already been on the record talking about, you know, and wrote this for soaring down South, uh, two, six, one guards, no matter how long Donovan reaches, Donovan Mitchell's reach is, is not going to work. You're going to get a lot of problems uh, on bigger guards, bigger backcourts, and then when they get switched on the wings, and God forbid they get switched on the bigs. And so I, I, that just from that standpoint, I know they're both great scorers, but they're going to be giving up at least as much as they're given when they get matched up. And, and they're going to pick on them because we saw it in the postseason, and that's the problem that you want to avoid. Um, defense be able to lock you up with physicality as much as they are with skill. That's a problem. That was a problem for Young. That's a problem. Uh, that was a problem for uh, um, Kobe White this past season. Going back to the Bulls a little bit. Like you want to see guys be able to deal with that. Um, and if, if your backcourt, if you individually can't, then maybe you need to diversify your backcourt a little bit, your attack a little bit better um, to make that work. Now, there is another report, and this is from the Miami side of things, so I'm just going to preface it with that. But an offer of John Collins swapped out for Tyler Hero, six man of the year, and Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson is making a hell of a lot of money, ninety million dollar total. He's in this. He's going into the second year of that deal. Um, was benched effectively throughout the playoffs because of his poor defense. Uh, but the Hawks, with the rumors of them looking into the Donovan Mitchell and then Bradley Beal, two guys who don't do much for you on defense, um, I've wondered if they would, you know. Go after that trade, getting a hero and getting a scorer who can create for himself off the dribble. And then another uh, shooter to pair with a Kevin Herter to kind of mirror him on the other side and open up that lane as wide as a freeway in, in the middle of the night um, for Trey Young to drive and, and set up his big men for lobs. Now, Collins is a guy that I think is miscast, again, like Eric Gordon was, is trying to be an offensive hub. 
And that's partially due to him. And that's probably why he'll be traded. <laughs> because if you want to make noise about not being satisfied and the team could do better without you because, you know, your, your money could be spent elsewhere and they had buyer's remorse from all reports as soon as they gave it to you, chances are you're going to be gone. Um, the Ben Simmons thought worked, but now he's in Brooklyn and they got to try to mix up the work there. So you got to wait. And I don't think the Hawks can do that. Uh, we've heard Rudy Gobert there too. You might as well keep Capella because I think if you're trying to upgrade to Rudy Gobert, I guess you do get some more offense because there were some, some blown misses at the rim from Clint Capella's past season. But you got to wonder, was that health or was that, you know, ineffectiveness? And then if it was health because he's had these issues in, in the recent past, is this a pattern that's going to continue and even worse, worsen as time goes on? Uh, lots of way going on there in, in Atlanta because this is the delicate time when you know you got to make some changes. But you're not sure exactly, like I said in the articles, uh, to what extent. And that's what that's what uh, the CEO said when he joined uh, his radio spot on Dukes and Bell this past Friday, talking about, you know, we will be involved in the trade deadline, in the trade market, and the free agency, and, and and heavy players in the draft, whatever that really specifically means. Um, and then he also said he wouldn't put a number on how many new faces there would be. I think the number was set at two and a half or three and a half, something like that. He wouldn't put he wouldn't touch that. But there will be new phases. So you're in a delicate, delicate spot because you're also trying to make sure that you placate Trey Young for the long haul. So keep a lookout. I'm not sure. My way for the Hawks, um, Gobert would be cool. I'm probably not going to sit on Grant. I would like to see them go after a guy like Shea Gilgus Alexander. I'm not sure what the Thunder would need to get rid of him. But they need a bigger guard to pair with Trey Young in the backcourt and then maybe try to find a wing. That's going to be tougher. Because I'm not sure exactly where you go to find that guy um, that, that's that's readily available outside of Simmons. That's why Simmons was such a good fit for them. Maybe they kick the tires on that again. I'm not sure. Their way, who knows? Because I'm not sure that they know right now. Coonan uh, talked about there's a room full of, play, of of staffers, executives, who are figuring this out the entire season. And that may be the case. But it doesn't mean that they have an answer at this point. <laughs> Let's be honest because, like I said, it's a very fine line between, you know, taking that next step and completely mishandling the situation and blowing up your chemistry. And you don't want to do that by any by any stretch. So Hawks are walking that fine line. And the right way will be, again, the way that gets them into, back into the Eastern Conference Finals because this that's a, that's a fall from grace if there ever was one, to go from two games from reaching the, the NBA Finals, right, to – getting knocked out in the first round in five games. Tremendous fall. A tremendous fall. Uh, the NBA Finals. Let's talk about it, man. The Warriors evened the series at 2-2 um, with a 107-97 win following Steph Curry's Herculean 43-point effort. Uh, Ten rebounds from the kid, four assists, five turnovers. It's funny because usually when you have more turnovers than assists, that's all anybody can talk about. But when you drop four to three points and ten boards and and go bananas, uh, really when your team needs you in the fourth quarter to make sure that you put this team away in Boston, um, I think there's little people can say. I was not on that this is about his legacy bandwagon because I think when you win three championships, your legacy is pretty well cemented, especially when you are the engine behind that, right? When you're the focal point behind those attacks, chances are, Nate, you look, (laughs) Kevin Durant is a great player, but I have been saying for quite some time he is the X factor. He is not the lead man. He is the ultimate difference maker, but he is not the foundation. Steph Curry's the foundation. Rudy Gobert is a defensive unto himself. Steph Curry is an offense unto himself. 
Same thing. Same principle, opposite sides. Could you imagine Steph Curry paired with Rudy Gobert? Oh my gosh. Oh my. That's where the Jazz or where the Warriors need to look if they're going to make a splash move. Move Draymond, Wiseman, and whatever else you got to do to get Rudy Gobert in there and, and make that crack. Cause that right there is something to watch out for. Uh, but when I, when I hear people talk about that Steph stuff, I just wonder, like, were you paying attention to what's going on? Because I've often said too, and this is not my, my logic, this is the, the facts of the matter. Shooters' bad games look worse than any other type of player. Anybody, a post player, a, a slasher, right? Those guys are going to get some putbacks. They're going to get dunks. When the shooter's off, chances are it's going to be ugly. He's not going to have a lot of points. Steph will still find ways to get to the line. He got to the free throw line six times in the fourth quarter. That's pretty good for a shooter. Um, and then it's, it, it's, there were some sloppy turnovers. Clean those up to get down the stretch. Then you got Steve Kerr. <laughs> you got Steve Kerr trading that fine line of his own with his star play. He started the off, the start of the game off with the lineup switch, which I did not like. Kevon Looney, uh, went to the bench in favor of Otto Porter. That did not last long. Otto Porter or Kevon Looney. I'm sorry. Otto Porter ended up playing, I think, 10 minutes. Where did he end up playing? 14 minutes. He got back in the game. 14 minutes to Kevon Looney's uh, 28 minutes. So he doubled his time. But as I pointed out, it allowed him, Kerr, to finish the game with Looney. That's a slight adjustment, something that I had been bashing Kerr for, for being too slow to make adjustments, too drastic, when because I did not like the Kevon Looney-Porter switch. However, if that was his logic, was that so he could finish the game with Looney, that makes sense. That makes sense because you need that rebounding, especially down the stretch when your guys are tired and their shots might not be falling like they were earlier in the game. You want second and third opportunities. That's what the Celtics were getting with, the, with Robert Williams, and we'll talk about him in a second and what that means, and that's what it got for the Warriors this time. You got Andrew Wiggins also putting in. He had 17 points, didn't shoot well early, but had a lot of late putbacks and played some good defense, some harassing defense. And aside. Can we stop being mad at, at for people calling guys lockdown defenders in today's NBA when we know how they favor the offense? Oh, this guy still put up this many points. He had to work his ass off for those points, sir. That's the whole point. That's a lockdown defender in today's NBA. Did you make that guy sweat to go get that them points? Did he have to do a little bit more against you than he did against everybody else? Even if the numbers in the end look the same. Did he have to work harder against you than he did against somebody else? That is the definition of a, of a lockdown defender in the NBA today because they don't let you defend much. There's not too many things physically that a, a defender can do. So that that's that. But Wiggins was timely 16 boards in this game. Ugh. Okay, because you didn't get a lot from Draymond. You only got two points, three rebounds. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, eight assists, nine rebounds. But you didn't get much offensively still. The nine rebounds are huge. Eight assists are huge. That's what you need from Draymond. Dirty work. Do that stuff. Clay Thompson, 18 points. Uh, he went seven of 17 from the floor, four of 10 from three. If Clay comes big in game, what was it, game five now? Or 2-2? Game five? Yeah, okay. We're still a game away from game six Clay. But they need game six Clay early because you don't want to fall down 3-2 and have to have that pressure, although – Maybe you want to put that pressure on Boston to try to have to close you out at home when they haven't been great. Maybe you want them to be coming off of a loss or coming off of a big win when they come back home where they haven't been great so they can be bad again because they're not great off of wins either, I don't believe. Go seven games, like I said, come back to go on saving and get that, that fourth title. Uh, they need it. They need it. They got what they needed from Draymond. They got enough from Clay, clearly. 
Steph went Hercules, though. So you're going to need more. You need Clay to be a little bit more consistent. Just hit your open shots, knock them down, make smart. Because the defense isn't there. Defense is not there anymore. So you you have to be an ultra-efficient shooter again. Jordan Poole played well late. I'm still not sold on his his – he's got to get stronger. 14 points. Uh, he was only 2 of 7 from 3. If him and Clay come alive from 3 in game 5, it's going to be over with quickly for Boston. And I see, that was the other part. They were talking about the overcommitment. How come they – I was wondering. I asked out loud, and I had my boy uh, – Gabriel actually responded on Twitter. Again, follow me on Twitter, Josh G. Buck. Why is it that Golden State is leaving so many guys wide open for Boston? They were overhelping. Why? Stay with your man. Stay with your man. If they want to try to get a switch, nope. That guy that's on Steph, keep Steph on that weak link on offense and make that guy beat them. He's going to have to beat you. Stop letting them get switches for a favorable and even more advantageous matchups. No. Or you're going to be caught you know, chasing around the screen. Okay. That guy's got to hit all of those shots. He better have a hundred by the time the night's over. I, I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. And then you had Draymond after the game. He was talking about his feelings of, of being benched, said that he did not like it. It did not feel great to him being benched, but he understood. And if you're going to win, then you can put whoever the hell is going to be on the floor on the floor. He didn't really care. I honor that. I respect that because that's how you should respond to things. And um, I really appreciate that he was able to to not let that – you know, uh, impact that he felt about. It. Now, if they lost, who knows what he's talking like? That's why you don't sit me. Who knows? Who knows? But he didn't take that route, and I really appreciate the candor and the candidness because he he kind of just lets you into just how how I think more NBA more athletes approach things than I think people want to admit or, or accept because they want them to make it hurt as much as it does for them. And for a lot of guys, it just won't and it never will. And this might be one of those situations. But just keep plugging away at it, you know? It's been a tough series. I saw my mom tweet it, that it's been a tough series for me. Absolutely, it definitely has. But figure it out how you got to figure it out. It's not the, the toughest thing I've had to deal with in my life thus far. But I'm sure I'll have a tougher challenge in life. Than- so, like he said, you know, he's not the toughest thing he's dealt with. Won't be the toughest thing that he's going to deal with. Um. And you can't do nothing but respect that, man. It's the truth. It's too much other stuff going on to be worried about, you know, a loss. Now, you could say that it's more than what he let on, but I don't think it's the uh, existential crisis that a lot of people want it to be when a guy goes out there and plays bad, especially when you've had the career that Draymond's had already. You could say it could be better, but it could be a hell of a lot worse, too. And so I saw the comparison to him and Brandon Bass. Brandon Bass would kill to be Draymond Green right now. Let's, let's quit playing. Let's quit playing. Let's stop it. Let's, I just, the nonsense in, in the internets is crazy. It's crazy. Um, and then taking a quick, quick spin. Oh, my prediction is still going to stay in seven. It's still going to stay in seven. I'm just going to stick with it. They, it's best of three now. Golden State has a home court advantage. I'm going to stick with Golden State in seven. Just going to because I feel like their resolve is still there. Whatever. I've wavered. I'm not going to lie, but I'm going to stick with it this time. Spinning around the league real quick. The next Boston and the Dubs. I was on the Memphis Grizzlies last year. I'm going to get on the New Orleans Pelicans train this year. If Zion Williamson can stay healthy, and that's a huge if, 285 pound if at this point, then there'll be something dangerous out the West. Watch out for them next season, the New Orleans Pelicans. Out of the East. Out of the East. Um, I want to say the Cleveland Cavaliers, but I want to see what they, what they're going to do, um, this offseason. And then on top of that, 
the Toronto Raptors, because people are trying to break up the Toronto Raptors, but they don't seem to be a team that's in the mood for rebuilding or re- anything like that. So I would be very interested to see what they do with those young wings, Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi, who is apparently disgruntled with his role. I, it should be the Scotty Barnes and Ananobi show. Pascal Siakam, get in where you fit in. Freddie Van Vliet, you set the table. I don't know what the problem is. Gary Trent, you knock down open shots. Boom, problem solved. Here we are, though. So we'll see, but I think that it's clear who, who would be the next West Coast team. I mean, that's that's uh, New Orleans, and then, like I said, I already did for last year, Memphis. But they've, already, they've already kind of arrived. And then in the East, I'm not – there's not – Kind of the teams that are arriving are, have arrived, and those guys who have to come up, they got to get better. Cleveland has to get better, even if it's my that would be my pick. They got to get better. They need more wing help. Um, Charlotte needs more defense, and they've already they they brought in my boy Kenny Atkinson. Um, I like the hire. We'll see what he can do to get those guys to play maxed out, because um, I think he did wonders for D'Angelo Russell's career. Thought he would have done well with with Brooklyn. They did not want him, and we see how that turned out. So, <clears throat> um. Yeah, that's my that's my one. I, w- I would go with Cleveland, and I would go with New Orleans. New Orleans is obviously a lot closer, in my opinion, than Cleveland. Uh, DeAndre Ayton's talent has come under question because, well, let me not say that his que- his talent's not in question. It's his maturity, and the question is, do, is he worth the max money if he's a guy who already hasn't shown max commitment? Um, they say that when you get the money, it only enhances what you already are. If he's already a guy that's been had to be prodded constantly by now, we're hearing it's been Devin Booker and not Chris Paul per Kevin O'Connor, right? Which is a nice little plot twist. Um, was it, I, I keep getting, cannot be sure if it's O'Connor or Fisher at this point with all the podcasts listening, but one of those two guys said that it was Booker and not Paul. If you have to keep priding him that way, do you want to commit that much money to, because when you commit him, you're not going to be able to sell him anything. You can't tell a millionaire nothing. They already know. They made millions doing it this way. What are you telling me? All right. So, I, I mean, that could come better, come to him easier as he gets older. But right now, I can understand why there's some trepidation in Phoenix about him handing him a lot of money. I do think that that stuff leaking out publicly is a message to him and his agent that the sons want to see some form, in some fa- form or fashion, that his level of commitment will be better going forward. So I think that it's public negotiations. I don't see him leaving. You don't let a 23-year-old um, uh, uh, center who's primed to be an all-star if you can just get him to unlock his own uh, abilities. You don't let him walk just because you don't like his immaturity. You figure that ish out or you trade him for something. I just don't – they're not letting him walk. I don't see them trading him because, again, he's 23 and has a – Chris Paul not going to be there forever. So you're going to need a secondary – guy to go along with Devin Booker and it needs to be Aiden so figure it the hell out I don't know why we're even discussing this but that immaturity thing is it's a real question Phil Knight had his offer and this is going to tie in with, the, with what we're going to lead off with our NFL section or talk about in our NFL section Phil Knight had his offer for the Blazers rejected and I don't even care why we're not even going to talk about why I just want to say if you are Phil Knight the creator of Nike and your offer to buy a team isn't good enough, pack it up. You're not selling the team. Matter of fact, if you're not if you're Phil Knight, if you're the, the people who are trying to sell the Blazers, what the hell? How do you not unless you're not trying to sell, which they are, there's no way you don't let the creator of Nike, right? Who's been doing this thing in Portland for quite some time, in the I think it's in Portland, but in Oregon for quite some time. You don't let him. Oh man! Oh man! The, the 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 blunders that were. Could you imagine if Dallas didn't sell to Mark Cuban? 
Like you, I, I, that's a blunder, man. Some people can run businesses. Phil Knight can run it. He can, he can create a product. He can, he can brand, man. Oh, missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. I just don't, I don't like it. <laughs> no, sir, I don't like it. Switching gears. <laughs> so, as Phil Knight's offer got rejected by the Blazers, Walmart is buying the Denver Broncos. And all I can say is, the NFL, this is why the NFL is king. The NFL knows where the dollars lie. Okay? NFL is about money, man. You bring your money to the party, to the table? Okay, we can make this work. We're not worried about you folding. We don't have to worry about you not being. That's why I don't understand who, what more stable of an owner are you going to get than Phil Knight? Ah, anyway, moving on. The Walton family is buying the Denver Broncos and, um, yeah, get ready for everything in Broncos to be half off. Listen, they're rolling back prices. Listen, <laughs> I just want to say that I'm all for these new wave of owners to come in because I think we need a new mindset with a lot of these sports leagues. And so as we change out, a lot of it's going to stay in the family. There's a rumor floating around that the Bears are up for sale. That's a surprise. I got to do, do some more digging into that, but we'll see. Um, but I'm all for it. Get these get these teams moved along, and um, well, let's try to get some fresh. Now, these aren't fresh lines of thinking because this is old money still. But I think that because these are front-facing old money people, that you kind of would get a little bit better. Hopefully, you would get a little bit better of uh, – I don't want to call it an image because it, it needs to be in practice as well. But you probably get a little bit more accept- morally acceptable. I don't know. I think it'll be better. Let's put it that way and let your mind wander because I don't really care because I know what I mean. But I think that I just think that you would get a much – when you start changing out this old line of thinking, the one-way type of thinking, you, you might be able to get something better because you'll get some more innovation in a lot of different areas. That's a nice way to put it. Focusing now locally because I did want to connect those two stories about the, the teams being sold, bought, not sold, not bought. The Bears, they lost a practice, an OTA practice because they were doing too much hitting. And I can't tell you how little I care. And I could have guessed how little Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles care, but they got up there, Matt Eberflus did, and said, you know, we, we got to be more careful. We're just trying to – somebody was overeager. Man, don't nobody care. They wanted that to happen. They needed that to happen. They're letting the, the league know, hey, we're, we're, we're hitting, bro. Ain't no soft mess over here because the Bears' defense had gotten a little bit toothless. Counting on turnovers that made them finesse the past couple of seasons. It's funny because Kyle Fuller had been accused of that, but they missed his tackling last year, didn't they? I would have tried to put him in safety, but whatever. We're, we're, we're splitting hairs at this point. Picking, I'm picking nits. I don't think that they would care one bit. It's one of those practices they got to subject their players to. That's groaning you don't got to hear and dear your players to, especially if the players knew about it. But you also sent a message to the league. Hey, we're hitting, fam. We hitting each other. We can't wait to hit so much. I'm I'm here for it. That's fine. That's fine. Don't let you know catching fines and penalties become a habit. But I'm all, I'm okay for you losing an OTA because y'all was hitting a little bit. That's all right. That's okay. Justin Fields has been impressive with his leadership. His deep ball thinking. They said he hit 11 passes, 20 or more yards, I think, in the past couple practices in OTAs. But he's also struggled some. That's to be expected. It's a new offensive system. What I'm am impressed about, and again. We're in the time when Matt Nagel was talking to us about football 101 and football 102 or whatever. So I'm not going to tell two grains of salt at most. But I am encouraged by the amount of people who are encouraged by what they've seen from him growth-wise. I know he's got the talent. 
But if they're seeing the growth, that to me is a good sign and hopefully will translate when the field comes around because I think that, that the line of him saying the game came slow, wasn't as fast as he thought it would be, whatever the, whatever the hell he said that he would kind of ran with, almost, almost went too far with cussing. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do think that it was faster than he anticipated when he got to the regular season and teams were able to scheme for him and what he, what they knew he would try to do once he got out there. So I'm, I'm excited to see what happens this year when he has a little bit more time to kind of, uh, pick that apart. And knows what he's what he has something to, to fall back on to reference in his mind. Akeem Hicks went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I want to first say that that's a nasty defensive front with him and Vita Vea. You're not running on those boys if his if Hicks can stay healthy. He hasn't been able to do so uh, the past couple of years is why he's now elsewhere. Large a, a large part of why he's elsewhere now as not not no longer a member of the Bears. But on his way out, he decided to take a shot. <laughs> at the Bears quarterbacks saying he began his uh, career with Tom Brady and 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 had some Drew Brees in there and now he didn't have that in Chicago and I just can't help but feel like you know seen because damn it if he ain't right he didn't have consistency at quarterback and I don't even know if that's a shot at Justin Fields as much as it is about the entire time that he was here where they were forcing you to love Mitch Trubisky. They were forcing Nick Foles upon you. They were forcing Andy Dalton upon you. And then they got Justin Fields and didn't know what to do with him. Yeah, Akeem was right. Akeem was right. Speaking of Justin Fields, DK Metcalf, anyone? Did not show up to OTAs. The price is expected to be somewhere in the first, in a couple of seconds or something like that. Late, late first, second rounders, third rounders. Would you pull that? I would pull second and third rounders. I would definitely do that. I maybe not give it a first rounder up, but I'll give you some seconds. And I know that you could get a first, but I'd offer some seconds. I'm not going higher than that. Especially if the Bears are going to be as bad as everybody anticipates them being. A more realistic target? Robbie Anderson of the Carolina Panthers. My man's contemplating retirement because he's got to deal with Matt Rule and Sam uh, Darnold. Get him the hell out of Carolina. Get him the hell out of Carolina. Get him the hell out of Carolina. Robbie Anderson can fly. The Bears need a big body, bigger body receiver that can go down the field. I know that they got, uh, they, they drafted, uh, Bealus Jones to be their prize. He's 25 years old. He's still a rookie. He can have all the college experience in the world. He still has to get adjusted to the pro game. I would love to see another veteran added, one that I, that has some proven production as much as they, they want to hype you up on Byron Pringle, who could, who could surprise you and Equinemius St. Brown's experience in Luke Getz's system. Get Robbie Anderson because it shouldn't be too expensive. They got a plethora of receivers down there in Carolina. Offer some mid-round pick for Robbie Anderson and let that man fly and let Darnell Mooney work the short to intermediate routes and take some run to catch stuff. Like it, it, it sometimes answers are so obvious. I just know the Bears aren't going to do it. I, but this is one for all your team building smart, smart. Spending a mid-round draft pick on a guy like Robbie Anderson would be smart for a, a quarterback like Justin Fields when you've already been impressed with his deep arm accuracy and, and his, his deep ball in general. Get him a, a target for that. It only makes sense. Trip around the league. Coop, Cooper Cup. I almost messed it up. I didn't want to continue to mess it up, but I almost did. I almost did. Cooper Cup uh, is signed a new contract. The man is, is now rich worth more than a hundred million dollars after winning the Super Bowl with the Rams this past season. And I, I don't think that anybody 110 million of what it was per Adam Schefter. Um, no surprise. Cooper Cup's been, the, been 
arguably the best receiver. You could argue it's it's because he plays in the slot and he gets a lot of opportunity, a la Adam Thielen a couple years ago, but it's been sustained. Um, you've known what's coming, and you couldn't do nothing about it. That's how they won the Super Bowl. They started leaning on Cooper Cup. Once Odell Beckham went down, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Cup runneth over. Good for him. I right, Listen, man's done a lot in his in his career already. Um putting up tremendous numbers each year, and I don't expect that to slow down anytime soon. Um, him and Aaron Donald both got paid this offseason. The Rams are playing with the fantasy cap set to off. So, you know, kudos to them, man. I, I don't know when the Bills come and do. I, they say the bill eventually comes due for every every team. We'll see because they've been saying that about them for the past three years, and it has yet to happen. So we will see. Deshaun Watson, 24 lawsuits. Um <laughs> There's there's not much more to say other than, well, we got to wait for everything to play out. The Browns have to be expecting him to be sat down for some length of time this season, if not the entire season. Don't expect them to try to get that money back. Don't expect them to try to cut him. They will wait this thing out because it's a long play. You don't make this for a short-term play regardless. Also, stop being shocked when you hear about new accusations. If you believe them, then you should be not numb, but but – aware that this behavior has been a pattern and it could be more if you don't believe them you should be prepared to, to hear more because woodwork and whatnot so uh, Watson's situation is going to get uglier before it gets resolved because we haven't really even heard any type of back and forth yet it's been one-sided lobbying at the other side but not an interactive discussion you know and I hate to use this example because it was kind of stupid but the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard crap like Something that when you get to, to parse through it, that'll change a lot of opinions and we'll see how things go, get handled. Then he might never because he could always settle out of court, uh, private depositions and all that kind of stuff. But I'm, I, 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 I'm just done being shocked by when I hear stuff by it because he was weird at, at, at best. At worst, he was a creep and needs to face charges, but it's not going to be criminal. So if he's going to pay him, it's going to be private. And at the, I, I no longer care. I just don't because. I know it's a pattern. I just don't know whose pattern. Is it the the pattern of this uh, of Watson being a creep, or is it a pattern of Watson letting himself put himself in positions where he could be a target of an extortion attempt? Because it's one or the other, and we're not finding it out right now. So I'm just not. They said the test the the trial couldn't even start till next year. Like ah uh, no, nope, not getting up in an uproar every time. Refuse, <laughs> flat out refuse. Um, Lamar Jackson, there's contract rhetoric going on about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens keep talking about how Lamar does not seem to be wanting to engage. I do not appreciate this. And this is why you need a, 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 an agent because while your lawyer can handle the legal aspects of your contract, the agent is your mouthpiece. They are your PR firm. That's what Lamar is not having all these stories about them. Not one that agent would have came out and said, no, that's not true. This reason, that reason, the other reason we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing that. That stuff that they're putting out there lets it seem like Lamar is okay with just letting – he's not committed. It makes it seem like he's not paying attention, not focused on it. That's dangerous. Rhetoric, man. I know I know it's just what they're saying, and they're talking about him. They're still saying positive things too, but that little – that's like somebody calling your project little. It's the same type of concept. You can't let certain stuff slide. If I was Lamar, that's one of the things that I would not let slide. I would get out ahead of that as much as possible. 
that's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. But before we get out of here, I do want to share a quick um, interview that I did this past episode with Drew Stevens of OnTap Sportsnet. And it is about basketball, so I'm going to go back a bit, but I want to send it to the end because I hadn't done a special package type of deal yet. But I do want to introduce it properly. Um, this is Drew Stevens talking to me about what he thought the Bulls would do with Zach Levine this offseason, what he thought their what their their move should be because of uh, where things have gone, you know, the, with, like I said, with all of the the uh, the talk about Zach could leave for L.A., Portland, San Antonio. Here's what Drew Stevens said about what the Bulls should do with Zach Levine. I don't think the game's over. To be fair, I think the previous front office, you know, uh, Foreman and um, Guard Foreman and Paxson, they had every right to be kind of hesitant to give him uh, big bucks considering he was coming off a knee injury. But we've seen what he can do now when healthy. He's one of the most elite scorers in the NBA. Sure, there's other areas of his game that you really hope he improves on, um, especially his defense and uh, his late game decision-making, kind of a close second. But there's no reason to believe he won't put in the work to get better at that. And I also think that when you put him in uh, with the rest of the Bulls, when they're healthy, namely Lonzo Ball, you know, he looks a lot, a lot better. Triple zeros on the client. That was Drew Stevens of ONTAP Sportsnet, Bulls on Tap, talking about the Bulls. Just go ahead and sign, and, and sign Zach into that max contract. Quit playing around. That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh e. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports, website, ClockerSports.com. Email address is ClockerSports at gmail.com. And, of course, follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at 30spod. That's the number three, zeros in pod. And read the stuff, man. Last word on pro football, uh, soaring down south, and, of course, heavy on Bulls. Until the very next time. But just keep plugging away at it.